saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth, chapter 10. I read a commentary on this chapter recently, and it said that this was a, quote, beginning of a dark cloud of this epistle. And it kind of describes to us how Paul is having to defend his ministry versus some kind of super apostles or something along those lines, which brings up many questions. Who is approved by our Lord? Who has the authority and how does this all fit together? Stick around as we go through this chapter and find out what Paul has to say. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have the special privilege of having with us Pastor David Boisclair, pastor of faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Oh, it's, it's wonderful to be here. It's a joy. Pastor, you are, I guess I would call you an institution on Thy Strong Word, um, the KFUO. You've been around a while. I try to be. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I how long have you been was, on KFUO? Uh, as I think uh, I mentioned before, I, I uh, was was a guest host when you were a, when you were a guest yep. <laughs> one time, yep. and and that was a delight. And absolutely, it's, it's always a delight to to. Um, you know, be able to reach out to, to God's people and to those who may be wanting to hear, um, who haven't heard the gospel. Absolutely. So you've been here for a while, but this is our first time together. We had a great conversation last night. Um, but just, mm-hmm. can you tell me a few things about yourself? And, and, and I, I, the reason I asked this too is because last, you know, last week or two weeks ago, I started asking people for emails, you know, saying, hey, where are you listening from? And there was at least one gentleman who's like, this is my first time listening, never listened before. So if you could introduce yourself a little bit and also the work of the saints at Faith and Bethesda for a few moments. Yes, uh, I um, gra- am a, uh, a 1982 graduate of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. I served for 10 years at uh, St. Paul Lutheran Church in uh, Jonesburg, Missouri. And then I've been pastor of Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches since um, since April of 1994. So that's 26 years. Um, I have also did graduate study uh, in systematic theology at the seminary, and I just love theology, and I love the gospel, and I love the Lord most especially, and uh, and and I love to preach and teach uh, His Word. Uh, we're we're uh, hanging on, you might say, in in uh, the St. Louis area. The um, pandemic has been has really taken its toll on. Uh, churches and and uh, it's kind of sh- shown us, of course, the um, mighty power and and the blessings of God which come through despite all of that. Um, and um, that's kind of I'm, I'm originally I was born in um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, I'm single. Uh, been been single all my life. Uh, you know, sort of as as they say, one who has kind of in life uh, walked. Uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, singly with the Lord. 
Um, and 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 that's that's a different callings that people have. Most most pastors, of course, have the blessing of a of a, of a wife. And you know, it's interesting that um, uh, in the epistle yesterday, uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, it was like St. Paul's epistle first epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 7, where he says, you know, it probably would be better if you serve the Lord if you are unmarried. And I don't know about that. I think that a Christian wife can can be so helpful to a pastor. In fact, Absolutely. not having one is actually something that would actually be a, uh, a hindrance. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that'd be another study. We'll uh, we'll call, we'll bring you back if we go for through First Corinthians chapter seven. But you know, like I said, you were an institution. You've been around the St. Louis area, the uh, the north part there, an area that ideally uh, appreciate. It did some of my field work church in the North City and knew people from the north part of of St. Louis, and we have mutual friends. And so I thank you for. Your commitment to, to this program and continuing on. I know you could have easily said, well, new guy, I'm out. So I'm excited <laughs> that you're continuing to search the scriptures with us. So on that well, note. I'm excited. I'm excited about yeah. uh, what the Lord has in, in store with, with your being our host. And, and I'm really thankful to him that, that you have been placed in that position. Thank you so much. Well, how about this? We As we begin to search the scriptures, Pastor, can you begin us in prayer? I'd be honored. Let us pray. Victorious Lord, you always lead us in triumph, you who ascended on high and gave gifts to men by your love. Your grace and your perfect redemption are our bulwark against the evil one. Grant us the discernment to recognize strongholds and every proud thing that would might raise itself against you and your gospel. Enrich us by your word and sacrament that we may strive against those forces of evil that attend us, that our faith may be strengthened, and that we may reach others with the uh, living and saving word of your grace. Bless our study this day as we are nourished by your word through your holy apostle in Second Corinthians. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Yes. One thing you said there this morning is uh, to be, um, you didn't say refreshed. What did you say? You said nourish, nourish. Nourish and enrich, and, and, yeah. And, yeah, right. And and with that, the disarmament is so much about a lot of the words of refreshed throughout this epistle. And I think about the refreshment that we talked about last night. Um, Pastor Boyce, Claire, and I were able to talk um, for, for quite a while last night. And, and one of the things that you said, which is going to make this a real treat for us, is that Second Corinthians is your favorite epistle. Is that right? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and I'm noticing how difficult the Greek is. It's not. It's not easy Greek like uh, John's Gospel. It is. It is uh, like a uh, Luke's Gospel. It's very, very, very uh, uh, intricate Greek. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'll I'll say this is that often if you talk to a Lutheran pastor. And you say, what's your favorite epistle? I mean, we, we naturally go to Galatians, maybe Romans, maybe maybe Ephesians. Um, but I've never or heard someone say Second Corinthians. Corinthians. Or even First or Corinthians. Or maybe First yeah. Corinthians, yeah. <laughs> second, second Corinthians. Well, that's kind of interesting. You know, like in the Concordia Commentary series, they have, they've long, for many years, have had the uh, uh, Lockwood's commentary on mm-hmm. First Corinthians. But they mm-hmm. still, they don't have one on Second Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, this might be your calling, but we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, mm-hmm. Here we go. Let's open up our Bibles 
and let's go. Reminder to our listeners that we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the ESV of the Scriptures. Let's do this. Let's read the first few verses, Pastor, and then you can give us some background information if you wish. Sure. How does that sound? Okay. Let's do verses 1 and uh, one and 2. Chapter 10, Paul says, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. I beg you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. I'll go through verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we are now waging war according to the flesh. Now, I wanted to read those verses because he's clearly going against something different in chapter 10 than he is in verses 8 and 9. And so can you give us some background that might help us out as we hear these words, Pastor? Yes, um, and, and it is it is a, uh, a change uh, because like in 8 and 9, he exudes confidence in, well, and, and maybe he's kind of like sort of prodding the Corinthians to be faithful in their promise to uh, uh, contribute to the um, uh, to the funds that are going to be that he's going to take to Jerusalem to help the church in in um, in Judea. Um, he this is this is kind of like uh, the the people that are opposing him are probably from the outside, like the Judaizers uh, that he deals with in Galatians. But he's he's not talking to them. He's he's talking about them. He's he's challenging their their challenge to him and and it may not be necessarily be a doctrinal challenge you know maybe they're they're maybe not teaching anything different but uh, it's like part and parcel with in first corinthians where it says like some say i'm of paul i'm of uh, uh, cephas or peter i am of apollos oh i'm of christ you know so it's like a factional uh you know, breaking up of the congregation, or you know, that's going on in the congregation, and so uh, you know, here he's he's kind of uh, confronting them because they are attacking, uh, calling into question his apostolic authority and also his his effectiveness and his ability to um, uh, you know preach and te- uh, to to do the ministry of an apostle. Well, yeah, and this is interesting because one of the things it appears. And I want to hear your thoughts. Is it says something like, um, "I who am humble when I'm face to face, but bold when I am away." So is he kind of talking about like, um, "I sound really tough when I'm writing to you, but when you see me, I'm kind of unimpressive"? Or how would you describe what he's saying there? Yeah, that's that's what he would say, but probably maybe in a more positive say, way that <laughs> that he's he's more pleasing or he he's more um, he, he's let less sharp and abrasive when he's uh, present with them. Um, you know, just just to cite an example, I remember I, uh, many many years ago in my ministry, I had uh, where a, a fellow pastor had something against me and wrote a letter to me. And his letter was really sharp and, and, and kind of scared me. <laughs> and I, I uh, just picked up the phone and called him, and, and, and we had a really pleasant conversation, and we straightened everything out through a phone conversation. So a lot of times, you know, that direct approach is where maybe, maybe he doesn't feel that he has to be so uh, abrasive or, or get in their face or something. Oh, very good. Very good. And it, it, it's an interesting thing for us to always think about is it goes to reconciliation. You know, we 
we talked about ministry of reconciliation and how the best way for us to be able to reconcile is face to face the best right. that we possibly can. And Paul is definitely addressing some things that have come up when he's not there. Um, but he starts in a way that is 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 wonderful, I believe, is that he first with entreat. I believe if we were to say this, Pastor, that would be a word like encouragement. Would we would we yes. say that I, I entreat you? Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, or the word exhort is a good one. You know, okay. I, uh, you know, it's similar to the, what I think is probably one of the most uh, beautiful passages of exhortation in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, brethren, you know, it's the same word, parakaleo, or I, I implore you, or, you know, I encourage you, by the mercies of God that you offer yourselves as living sacrifices. In this particular case, of course, is that he's kind of pointing to, uh, you know, his... The, the aspect of his ministry, which is Im- imitating Christ, who says, mm-hmm. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. You know, yeah. come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And that's kind of what, what he's doing here. He's saying, you know, um, there's, there, there's, there, we've got some obstacles here. Now, I'm, I'm imploring you. I'm urging you. I'm I'm uh, trying to advocate for doing things the Lord's way in this. Yeah, that's wonderful. And he begins, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Right. Um, I'm, I'm doing this in the same way of Jesus, which I I think that's something for us always to remember too. Is sometimes it's almost a sermon to ourself, is that I am I am preaching to you only by the grace of Christ, you know, um, and that's something for us to think about as he says this. But he, he, verse two, he says, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count showing against some such um, of who suspect of walking according to the flesh. So he begs them. Why is he begging them? Well, well, he's basically, um, he, they're fellow Christians, and, um, and, and in a sense, you know, they've, they've been regenerated or born anew by the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and so it, it's, it's not like he's ordering them, you know, it's like he's urging them as, as brothers in the faith, uh, you know, as, as, as someone who is uh, the kind uh, pastor of their souls, uh, you know, under, uh, the under-shepherd of their souls. And and so it's kind of like you know he does the same thing with the Galatians, although he little he's a little bit more ticked off with them than, than he is with the Corinthians here. And he does that a little bit when he sends the brothers and Titus to them, kind of yeah. like you know accept them, um, you're not quite ready, et cetera, et cetera. So he he's doing that. So he's doing a lot of exhorting. We are together in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm doing this and um, all of that. So then he says. Who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. And this is really fascinating because we will talk about um, works of the flesh. You know, this is Galatians talk. And we'll talk about that, but it doesn't seem like he's really talking in the same way. How would you talk? How would you say that Paul's using the word flesh in these two verses, three and four? Yes, he's, he's not speaking of physicality. You know, in other words, of our bodies or, or or of what we're made of, but he's speaking also about the mindset of the world, of of a uh, an unregenerate mindset or an unchristian mindset of the world, and and in, in other words, you know, we're not uh, we're not uh, hucksters, we're not scam artists, we're not we're not coming in here uh, trying to enrich ourselves. 
you know, because there are a lot of people that do that. A lot of times I get calls, you know, people that want money um, and, and they're and they seem to be so sincere in, in doing, you know, in, in many, many worthy charities or, you know, and, 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 and so and sometimes they prove to be um, inauthentic. They, they prove to be uh, just trying to enrich themselves at our expense. You know, and and so they're they're kind of saying, well, he's in it for himself. That's why he's here, and and he's just maybe he's he's on an ego trip, or maybe he wants your money. You know, something like that. Okay, so so what a we're mindset hearing. of a, a mindset of of uh, of an unbeliever. In other words, a human mindset, a worldly yeah. mindset. You know. So you have this what we call I I think I've heard him say super apostles are, are right. kind of drumming up things in the Corinthian church. And what we can tell from this is that they're saying something along the lines of, see, he's not really, um, he's not really here for your good. You know, he's here right. for himself. That's right. That's, that's what you say. That's what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. And, and okay. the other thing is, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, there, there are many books that were, or writings that were written after the New Testament, like the uh, writing of the Didache, which was probably written around 100 A.D., and it talks about an apostle. You know, if apostle, it, an apostle is with you for three days, you know, that's good. But if, he, if he's kind of like trying to move in, then he's not really an apostle. You know, as Paul says, that his purpose is to spread the gospel to places where it has never been. He's not, he's not kind of setting up shop here and, and uh, doing his ministry there. That's not his call. He's, he's called to, um, uh, you know, be a, a, it's into the frontiers of, of the of Christian ministry. But, yeah, because, you know, he was a ministry to the Gentiles, you know, yeah, and so he's, exactly. he's going around this area. And so people, okay, so take a step back here, because this is wonderful context you're giving us. And plus, since you said this is your favorite book, I really want to dig, dig the depths of, of Pastor Boyce Claire's uh, joy of this, of this epistle, is that Paul is gone. He's writing this from Macedonia. Um, he's gone, and you can tell from the very beginning, he is telling them, I want to be with you. You know, I, I yearn to be with you. So he's showing them that he really does care. And then he gets back to this chapter, and he's really getting into um, this understanding of of kind of fighting the fight, fighting what people are saying about him. So right now he's saying they might be seeing this in a worldly way, but I'm here because of Christ, and I'm here for right. you because of Christ. Right. Um, and so he talks about flesh. He's talking about, I guess, how the world would act. And so he's just laying it out there and saying, I'm not living that way. Yes, I am in the flesh, but I'm not living according to the flesh. So it, right. just to rehash, that's what, that's what we're saying, or how would you describe it? Uh, yeah, you're exact. You're right on point there. That hits okay. the nail right on the head. You know, in contrast to be according to the flesh, he is according to the spirit. He is, ah, he yes. is uh, spiritual. And then he talks about that, of course, in the, in the next verse when he, when he says how they do their ministry, how they wage war against Satan and against uh, uh, the forces of darkness. Great. So that's a great segue. Thank you, Pastor. Let's go verses four through six, where we can kind of peel back even more of what he's saying. Verses four through six. For the weapons of, excuse me, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, 
and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. He speaks here about weapons. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about the Word of God, you know, the sword of the Spirit. You know, I mean, that's the only offensive weapon. You know, thinking about uh, taking on the whole armor of God in Ephesians, you know, the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, um, the, the shoes uh, for the preparation of uh, proclaiming the gospel, the belt, I think it's the belt of truth, um, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, but mo- taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's that's the uh, that's our weapon. (laughs) That's why Paul himself is known as the sword of the spirit. That's his coat of arms. If if he were to set up a coat of arms, as some people have for him, the gladius spiritus, the sword of the spirit. And and that's that's the Apostle Paul. And, And that's interesting, too, because when you go to a church and when you're you're there, you'll see possibly a lectern. Um, will often have that as a sort of the spirit type of uh, um, picture, uh, an engraving on their lectern. Have you seen that before? Um, yes. Is mm-hmm. that you'll go there and you'll see that up there in the lectern, just a reminder that when this person is reading the word of God or your pastor is reading the word of God, it is like you're in warfare. And so he's saying in verse five that, yes, there is a way to wage war in the world, but we are doing it differently because we have different kind of weapons. And right. We're going to destroy the strongholds of evil. Is that what he's saying here, Pastor? Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. This is a very powerful passage because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always what we con- contend against because there, is a, there, is a, uh, there are strongholds of darkness in this world which, uh, which are opposed to the church. Um, and, and the church would, must never be lulled into um, apathy or anything to think, well, everything's going fine, or we, you know, we don't want to, uh, uh, you know, stir up the, stir up the waves or rock the boat in any way. But, but there, there is uh, forces that are arrayed against uh, the church and against Christians, um, you know, and, and of course they come from the, um, uh, the prince and ruler of this world who will be unmasked, the one who uh, masquerades as an angel of light. Yeah. And one of the things I found fascinating in these passages is in the confessions. It speaks about power and an mm-hmm. authority. And, for example, in the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope, it quotes this passage when it talks about what is the power of the church? What is the power of, of a pastor when he preaches? Christ gave to his apostles only spiritual authority. That is the command to preach the gospel, proclaim the forgiveness of sins, to administer the sacraments and excommunicate the ungodly. Right. Speaking of, so when we talk about the world, where is our authority? That's what I talked about at the beginning, is how are we approved? What is our authority? It comes into those simple things, the gospel, forgiveness, sacraments, excommunication. You know, that's something that would be another conversation at the time. But they're saying that's where our ultimate authority is. Thoughts on that? We have about about 50, uh, 30 seconds. Well, and imagine how it look. you know, I mean, Satan and his hosts will say, look how weak that is, the foolishness of preaching, the water and bread and wine and, and all of that sort of thing. How can they, how can they uh, uh, destroy our strongholds? 
Right, right. Yeah. And I think this is something I want to pick up on the other side of our break, especially when he gets to the point of to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for the church? But we're going to have to take a break right now. We are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with Pastor David Boyce Claire. We will be right back. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Here is what our listeners are saying about KFUO Radio. It's like we Bible-believing Christians have our own special uh, event. I love that. Wish the whole world could belong to Jesus. I really appreciate this, and I'm enjoying it very, very much. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with Pastor David Boisclair, and we are getting to the point where we talk about disobedience and obedience being captive to obey Christ. These are powerful words that we hear about how Paul is uh, um, he's defending his ministry against those who are against it, the quote, super apostles. So as we look at these words, Pastor, I wanted to talk about um, when he talks about obedience uh, to Christ, taken captive to obey Christ and disobedience, this can be kind of questionable. How does this work? Obedience, disobedience, to, and obedience to Christ. How does this look? How would you sum up those two verses when he talks about that? Well, when you rightly understand his word, um, and, and in other words, he's got to kind of lay the groundwork here by, by defending, you know, his ministry. Uh, because, and you know, that's important, uh, like in the church or for Christians. Uh, you know, if somebody comes up to you and, 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 and basically represents themselves as someone who is uh, uh, in authority in the scriptures or, or uh, you know, you, know you, you, can, you can demand their credentials, what's your call? You know, that's what Luther had to do when you had all of those uh, in, in, uh, enthusiasts or fanatics that were roaming the countryside and, and, and basically, uh, you know, 
uh, undermining the church and its ministry by their, you know, by by saying, "Oh, we're 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 spiritual. We have the Holy Spirit," and we, but you know, and, and Luther said, "Well, where's your call?" You know, because if you're from God, then you have a call to do what you're doing. And so he's he's basically laying that groundwork. Um, the obedience, of course, comes by power of the Holy Spirit through the Word. You know, I mean, it's it's like it's only through the gospel that that we are, uh, you know, basically strength or brought into the faith, and then and then, of course through baptism, of course, which is the ultimate. Uh, beginning of of our faith in Christ, the the new birth, the washing of regeneration, but also the um, we we are strengthened by his the word of his gospel, of course, warned and and convicted by the law, and so what he's doing is he's kind of laying the groundwork here by saying this is my call, you know I have a call from from the Lord Jesus Christ to be uh, an apostle to do what I'm doing, and there's evidence of it, you know he does the signs of an apostle. So, I mean, in a sense that, you know, obviously there's disorder in the congregation. So when things are kind of, uh, you know, basically righted from what, where they were in, in disarray, uh, then, then, then you can begin to build. And he's raised, you know, this is consistent with 1 Corinthians. Sometimes there's not a continuation, but it's continuous, um, consistent when he speaks about preaching in chapter 1, you know, the, the, the foolishness of preaching. And, and wisdom, and Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Speaking, this is how you take away, punish disobedience, is preaching Christ, so that, like you said, the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of us, and we obey his word and what it is. Um, right. And at the very end, it's interesting, when your obedience is complete. What's he talking about there? I even kind of struggle with this. What are your thoughts? Right. And, and, and ultimately, we can say, maybe that's the goal, you know, obviously in heaven, you know, not that I have already um, been made perfect, but I, I press on. It's always a, 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 you know, it's all in this life. It's always not completed. It's only completed in heaven. And, and so it, it's kind of like he's mentioning the, the goal that uh, their spiritual maturity, that's what he's saying. But a lot of times you stumble and fall. That's why, you know, it, it, there's a daily, as, as in the catechism, it says that, that the, um, uh, it's a daily repentance, a daily dying to sin and being raised uh, by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Kind of a... Um, a, more of a worldly statement, but not world, a, a spiritual statement, but not not real deep. But you know, kind of like God's not done with me yet. You know, right? <laughs> kind of kind of language that's here. That's a very very important point because that is a that is a um, uh, a danger where you can be uh, tripped up when you think, well, I I've I've already been made perfect. You know, or I I ought to be. You know, I mean, a lot of time, like in, in, in like the ideas in Methodism, that it's possible for somebody to be perfect in this life. It's not. It's not possible to be perfect in this life, and no. and and you know, you have to because then you, then that is a weakness. Actually, you know, you 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 know you that's a, that's where the devil can really get at you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I saw something, and I mentioned this in my sermon on Sunday is that the devil um, doesn't know your name, but remembers your sins. And ah. our Lord remembers our names and forgets our sins. Hey, In Christ, of course. Is that, that, was, is, that a, that, is that unique? That's, a, that's an excellent quote. Love it. It really is. It really is. Um, just a reminder for us is what is our authority? It is 
the words of Christ and how God sees us by the blood of Jesus. And that's what he's fighting here because their eyes are off of Jesus. They're like, well, look at Paul. He's not that impressive. He's not a great speaker or any of these kind of things. And, and, and Paul does this great. He's done this all throughout this, this epistle is he keeps pointing back and saying, where is our authority? And, and who, do we, who do we, quote, obey? It's clearly not Paul, but it always goes back to Christ. Right. And the last thoughts before we move on, seven through nine? No, I think, I think we pretty well, pretty well covered that. And uh, I think that one passage there about, you know, in other words, whenever we are stubborn in our thinking sometimes about, uh, you know, like, let's say we read something in the word and it kind of uh, goes against our grain, then we must remember that we are to bring all our thoughts in, in, into to captive for in, into obedience to Christ. That we may think like God thinks and say what God says. That's right will we pray the Lord gives to us. Seven through nine. Amen. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. Okay, there's, there's there's a lot of things here, but I, but I, when I read this, it's almost like he's saying, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, when he'll say, uh, therefore, or Jesus would say, behold, you know, there he's saying, look at what is before your eyes. Okay, so let's refocus here a little bit. If you are in Christ, let me remind you, so am I. So what does that mean, Pastor? Well, because when they're saying that he's uh, walking according to the flesh, as they accused him of before, they're saying he doesn't belong to Christ, because if mm-hmm. he's if he's uh, has a, a an ulterior motive or a, or a hidden agenda or you know trying to trying to take advantage of them, and 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 not and not there he's not sincere, then he's not a Christian, you know. So so uh, they're, they're, that's sort of the implication with what they're saying. You know, you are not a Christian. You're not an authentic apostle. You're not an an, an authentic uh, authority to us. That's interesting, because throughout this epistle, he is continuously um, proving his apostleship, even in the very beginning of this epistle. You know, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's an interesting thing, too, to think about is, I guess you would call it the sincerity police. Um, is, or, you know, is he really sincere? You know, I don't see him here in the building. You know, is he real? And we have to be careful with this, too, in our lives. Like, do they really believe you know, and then you go down a whole rabbit trail. Instead of looking at Christ, you're looking at intentions and feelings and thoughts and everything else in between. And here he's telling them, hey, we are in Christ also, which is an important thing for us to um, to do in the church and in our Christian lives. Thoughts, exactly. uh, other thoughts on these verses, Pastor? Uh, and I think I think you really put your uh finger on it uh, totally. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, what's interesting is he mentions he has authority to build up and not to tear down. Now, yeah. while, while as, as uh, ministers of Christ, we have authority for building up the church, but we have the authority to destroy strongholds of evil. So in other words, uh, you know, it, it's like, I'm not here to tear you guys down. 
when you when you are the the, the people of God, when you're the church. You know, it's interesting that in the um, uh, Augsburg Confession, in um, Article 28, which speaks about the power and authority of bishops, which is pastors, uh, mm-hmm. the the confessors uh, state that. Um, uh, that if if a pastor tells you or teaches something that's contrary to the word of God, then you know, like the the Roman faction who opposed them were saying, well, you have to obey whether it, it's according to Scripture or whether it isn't, because they have the authority from Christ or they have the authority from God, and and what they're, the confessors are saying, but they don't have an authority to tear down, they don't have an authority to destroy. Uh, the Christian church, or to take us away from the pure words of Christ. We ought to obey God rather than men. You know, mm-hmm. so when you look at when Jesus says, he who hears you hears me, you have to understand that that is if what you're saying is what he says, you know, what Jesus says, not what you're saying on your own. Right. That's very important. Right. That is very important. Absolutely. Um and he speaks here, and I want to talk about it a little bit later, is the idea of boasting. He even admits that I might be boasting a little much, <laughs> but, I, but I'm doing it for the upbuilding of not the destroying of the church. And I will not be ashamed. This obviously points us to uh, Romans 1, where he talks about I'm not ashamed of the gospel type of language. Um, and, and I want to take, look at verse 9, is that I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters. This once again shows us that Paul is one who has a deep care and love for the souls of this congregation. That when he writes us, he doesn't want to make them afraid in the sense of, of him. They want to fear the Lord. Um, at the same time, he wants to make sure that they're all on the same page. So exactly. we look at seven through nine. What are your thoughts? Any last thoughts on these? Well, and, and it's interesting about frightening him with uh, uh, them with his letters. You know, in Galatians, you know, he really gets taken up like the one point where he says, I wish that those who are, uh, you know, urging you to be circumcised, I wish they'd just <laughs> go all the way with themselves or something. So, I mean, he's he's really ticked off. You know, I mean, he he's uh, saying, you know, they uh, you know, they're they're enemies of 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 the church. And and, and I'm going to be I'm going to scare them if I can. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So it it's an interesting thing for us to think about, too. I even get this with text um, is that you send a text. I don't really understand totally what you're saying when you no, you can't tell sarcasm. You can't tell any of those things. So Paul's doing a little bit of cleanup after some of the things he wrote. Um, you see this in the first few chapters where he says a lot of words of comfort, a lot of things to soothe their souls and to make sure that they know their identity in Christ. And here he's just saying it again. I don't want to scare you with this. But he also wants to be bold in what he has to say. How exactly. will we move on? Verses 10 through 12. 10 through 12. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak. And his speech is of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do, excuse me, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. So what is Paul saying here? 
Well, he he's basically taking this uh, this saying about him. You know, he's weighty in his letters. You know, he's he's fearsome. He's he's um, um, in your face in his letters, but he's real. Uh, he's really weak and timid in his physical presence. And he says, "Okay, well, that's true as long as we properly understand it." Uh, that that I am able to be uh, forceful and uh, firm in my in my presence. Just wait. <laughs> and right. but the thing is, is 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 he says that what what we're doing now, or what I want to do, is I want to address this problem, nip it in the bud, try to deal with it before I get there. So when when I get there, you know, it can be a very productive. Um, Reunion, you know, and he he basically says this is the third time he's coming to see them. There, so there was, you know, there was the time in the second missionary journey when he when the Lord established the congregation in Corinth. Uh, uh, at that time, you know, after he left Athens, and then and then he then he came. He must have come back probably during the third missionary journey. In other words, from from uh, Asia, uh, you know. Um, the um, uh, Western Turkey, you know, where where Ephesus is, and then probably made a trip there, which is a sorrowful trip. And then now he's on his way back there. And so what he's saying is, you know, with my letter, I just want to I want to clear things up and maybe do what I can with with this so that we can even make more progress when I get there. Absolutely. And one of the things that's interesting here is he says, um, I, we don't want to class, compare ourselves, to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. And what, what's interesting is, is he, I was thinking about this, is this something where he's kind of saying, we don't want to stoop to their level? <laughs> right. Is it something well, like well, that, he, or how do you say it? Well, well, um, Peeper, uh, Peeper, uh, uh, Lenski, uh, I, lo- I read mm-hmm. Lenski's mm-hmm. commentary, and Lenski says that what they're doing is they're measuring themselves on with them, they're comparing themselves to themselves. And obviously, okay. if you are your own authority and you're comparing yourself to yourself, you have 100, 100% positive results, don't you? You know, I mean, I'm the measure of authority here. You know, we are we're the authorities here, and we and when we compare Paul to us, then he falls flat. Uh, and and uh, but but see, that's that's the problem. They're not uh, they're they're not looking at Paul from the proper perspective that he should be measured uh, by the um, standards of his Lord, by the canon. You know, that's kind of the word, the measure. Uh, and and uh, so yeah, it's easy for them to say, okay, we're we're um, we're 100% right because we 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 know it ourselves and we measure ourselves by ourselves. Right. Yeah. It's very easy to say we're doing well because I just told you I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know what are what are the standards? Who determines them? And this is good for us too as Christians is to not um, act not to do church things or Christian things based upon how the world would see us. Clearly, Paul is concerned about that. He gives those instructions about the pastor, you know, the overseer, that they are to be well-renowned in the community. He's not not denying that, you know, there's going to be times where we need to think about how we do this well. I would say this goes into the great collection, too. We're going to send these two brothers. We're going to make sure it's done well, make sure that there's um, integrity in the process. But at the same time, that's, the world is not our standard. It is the word of the Lord, obedience to him that is our standard. Last thoughts on those verses, Pastor? 
Yeah, and that I think that pretty well pretty well sums it up. Uh, and um, it, you know, in saying that he, he's kind of. Uh, He's he's questioning their their well I, I, he it's obvious that you can question their authority because um, you know he he he's even letting them know I have performed the signs of an apostle among you now, he doesn't mention that here but uh, in Galatians he does and and so God is authenticating my ministry and 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 the word that I'm preaching to you but you know like if but if if you know, in, in Galatians, he starts out by saying, you know, if I'm preaching something contrary to what was preached to you before, then I, I even am anathema, you know, if I should contradict that. And so, uh, you know, he's he's basically pointing them to Christ here and his and, and, and to his authority through Christ. I want to take one step back, Pastor. We do have a question that was sent in. I'm still kind of getting my feet wet a little bit on how to remind people they can ask a question. But, Pastor, I want to take a very short time for this because I know you have a a thought on it. And it's from Ian. And he says this, especially in times of trial and suffering, how does one distinguish from thoughts of conviction due to sin versus voices that unrighteously accuse us? How does one distinguish from thoughts of conviction due to sin versus voices that unrighteously accuse us? Thoughts on that no, question? Inter- that's interesting. Uh, you know, it, it, right at the the last chapter of this uh, epistle, he says, mm-hmm. "Test yourselves with your whether you're in the faith." Uh, mm-hmm. You 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 basically you have feelings of conviction or you know qualms of conscience. You know, in other words, that somebody is accusing you of something, and or, or maybe uh, you it is brought to your attention. And of course, the devil always wants to remind us of our shortcomings and so on. Uh, that that then we should repent, stop short. Yes, I I have done wrong. I repent, and and you're not unwilling to admit it if you're if you're in talking with others. But then if they are if they are attacking uh, something which is plainly you you know plainly to be uh that the the accusations are false and lying or whatever then and it, it kind of you you ask uh the lord to give you a spirit of discernment so that you can i, I hate to use that word uh it's sort of like a discerning mind right. to uh, on the basis that is informed by the word of god and 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 you know recognize the fact yes i am a sinner you know, let's start from that. I, I ask God's forgiveness for my sins. And if I've done something, that's why we, ch- we challenge our people, don't we? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when we're in the pulpit, you know, if I'm, if, if, if I'm wrong as pastor, if I've said something wrong, please bring that to my attention. My goodness. Uh, you know, uh, don't, don't let me continue in my error. You know, I remember, I remember there was a pastor who, who said about Christ in a sermon that he ceased to be com- a totally God. And, 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 you know, and, and, and many of us uh, were, were really dismayed by that. We had to, we had to kind of, we, we had an old pastor that was in the congregation that, that, uh, that went to the pastor and, and told him that that was a mistake. <laughs> but again, it, it's like, how do we do that? Well, by the word of God and recognizing our own shortcomings as, as sinners. And this, you know, this is an important question from Ian, because we do have that, because there's, I would say there's pietism of the culture, you know, that that we grow up in our homes and in our schools and in our communities that says you can't do that. And and so maybe we'll break that rule 
And it isn't necessarily a Christian rule. It's just a rule that, that has come about for whatever reason. Right. And right. and so you're like, oh, I, I did that. So you feel guilty forever about it. And I, I know those from my, I know those from my own life and I hear some other people. And the question is, is this actually um, a sin that I need to hold on to? The same way well, you don't have to hold on to sin clearly, but is or is it something that I'm just receiving this unrighteous accusation that isn't really something I need to be accused of? Or number three, I've already been forgiven of this. And it's gone. It's in the grave. It's been it's been taken. It's put on Jesus's shoulders. It's not on mine anymore. So I think it's an important question because it's hard work to determine um, what my standing is with God, which is ultimately why we need the gospel when we have these things thrown at us and accusations and everything else. So I think it's an important question, but we have to move on to get through our text today. So, Ian, if you have further questions, please send us an email um, and we want to address your question if that wasn't clear enough. 13 through 16, let's continue on. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond the limit and labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you will be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. I'm going to end there for now. Uh, Pastor, we have about five minutes left, and so give me some uh, some ideas here. He's talking about not boasting beyond the limits. What's he talking about the limits? Well, well, he's um, basic the limits that the Lord sets. Uh, you know, the, and the boasting, of course, comes in the Lord, because when you boast, I will not boast, the Paul writes in, in Galatians, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. And, and in this particular case, he's saying, well, you want evidence of our authority? Look at, look at where we've, how far we've come. We have, we have brought the gospel all the way here into mm-hmm. Europe. You know, we're from we're from Asia. We we came across the Bosporus of the you know the, by uh, into into Greece, and and we and we brought the gospel all the way to you, and now we've we've done we've preached the gospel as he mentions in uh, in Romans, you know, all the way around to Illyricum and 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 all around in Greece, and now he and then when he writes to the Romans, he says, I'm not going to come and stay there, but I'm going to go on to Spain. That's uh, that's our goal. Well, you know, we want to go where Jesus has not been named. We're not we're not going to stay and and uh, continue in in another person where another person has done the work. And like we know, with Roman in the Church of Rome, of course, was established through Christians that came probably after Pentecost. Uh, and uh, Paul wants to say, well, that's going to be like a new Antioch for me. You know, now in the in the West, I'm going to carry the gospel to Spain. And and so that's kind of because that is my ministry. That's my call to be an apostle. And he and he, and I, I find a, a, a string that goes through all of this. And he says, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our air of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. And he's he starts with that as your faith increases. There's a deep desire for the souls of these individuals in Corinth to show my goal is to serve you with the gospel and from there, that it may greatly enlarge through you, as we know that God will do this, and even beyond this land. I, 
I've been so amazed by this because he's talking about influence. What is the influence? The word of God. Not my personality that clearly has been <laughs> not promoted. And when it is, it causes other issues. Not, not, not as preaching. I mean, he's talked about that in other epistles too. But he's there. What's my influence? How do I know I'm approved? By the word of God. Last thoughts before we get to the last two verses, Pastor. Yeah, and and um, it's it it I like I like what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his uh, Life Together says that the relationship of the pastor is not a direct one to his people, but rather it is through Christ. It's always through Christ. You know, mm-hmm. if you are a cult, if you're a cult leader, then it's direct. But if you are if you are a Christian pastor, it is always a relationship that come that goes through Christ to your people. Amen. Let's read the last two verses, and we have about a minute left. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, for is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. So here we are, Pastor. He says, okay to boast. What are we to boast in? The Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel, and and that, that is, and, and he is our power and our strength. And, um, you know, he's able, look at the wonderful things he's able to do with us poor, weak, um, you know, stumbling folks. But he loves us, and he empowers us by his Spirit. As it says, For it is, it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. That is a reminder to us that our Lord has commended you. Because if you, O Lord, to mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. You are commended on account of Christ. The last thoughts, Pastor? Amen. And, and Amen. It's, it's just a real joy and encouragement to to all, all Christians as, as his people and to the servants of Christ who serve them. Amen to that. So, Pastor, Pastor David Boisclair is, past, I'm sorry, Boys Claire, correct? Yes. Did I say that right? Boys Claire. Okay. Yeah, Boys Claire. Yeah. Boys Claire. Okay. Pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, helping us today with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, his favorite epistle of all epistles right here. Pastor Boyce Blair, thank you for being our guest. My pleasure. God be with you. You too. Saints of our Lord, you are approved and commended to our Lord because of Jesus Christ. As he tells us in response to that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.